What's up, guys? Welcome to the first ever episode 162 of the Kind of Funny Games cast. As always, I'm Tim Geddes, joined by one of the coolest dudes in video games. I'm giving it to you. Oh, Jared oh, wow. Petty. Doki Doki, and thank you so much, Tim. Glad to be here. And joined for the first time on this show. I think so. But you've been on the, you're a, I'm around. You're a kind I'm of around. fun. You're kind of funny family. Mike Bithel, ladies and gentlemen. Hey! Yeah. I, f- I feel like the sweet filling in a friendship sandwich right yeah. now. This, this is, really is going to nice. be a very positive show, if, if anything that I, I know these gentlemen has to say about it, because these are two of the nicest people I've ever met, ever had the pleasure of speaking to, and I think it's going to be a damn good show. For people out there that might not know, Mike, what do you do? I make computer games. Easy. Thanks, everyone. It's been a great show. Volume, Earthshape, which was this uh, Google thing that was on one specific phone, so people don't know about. Um, <laughs> but track it down. Um, Earthshape, uh, I've just said, Subsurface Circular is the most recent yeah. one, which just came out on Switch. Um, there you go. Little plug there. There you go. Boom. Yeah, and um, check that out because it's really, really neat. Oh, thank you. Oh, that's very kind. That's very kind. Yeah, it's um, it's yeah, it's going really well for us on Switch. That's that's neat. Um, but yeah, so just making stuff. Um, I'm a designer and writer, and then I work with a really awesome team who do all the actual work. Very cool. Process, and you're yeah. here for GDC, just hanging out, just having hanging all out, the meetings. Just hanging out. So you, you went to, to Vegas for Dice, and then you decided, I'm just going to stay here in America because GDC is right a, around the corner. Jet lag is awful. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Going home for three weeks and kind of uh, putting up with all that, putting up with that noise and mess. Um, it's just like, yeah, stay, stay in town for three weeks. So yeah, we've been to uh, Vegas, uh, LA, and now San Francisco, and we're just having a holiday. So you're seeing all of my holiday. I'm on holiday at yes. this very moment. You're seeing thank you the West. for coming through. We're seeing the West Coast. Seeing the West. Good, okay. Yeah. Do you do the East very much? Um, I've been to. I went to New York for a day to see Hamilton because I'm a nerd. Okay. Um, it's totally true though. It's awful. Um, I've been to Boston briefly for PAX, uh-huh. but, but that's the thing is, as uh, usually when I'm in America, it's for work, so I'm right. kind of glue to a convention center yep. or I'm on I'm in a I mean usually I go to a place check into the hotel next day go into a room with a console demo my game for three days then fly home like I don't really get to see the cities so it's nice to be able to actually explore and well, I'm yeah. glad you're getting to see some of the country that's cool it's yeah. nice yeah it's a lovely country uh, lovely country terrible healthcare. true this is the kind of funny games cast each and every week right here on youtube.com slash kind of funny games we get together and talk about video games all the things that we love about them we all have a very good time uh, you can watch the show live uh, by going to patreon.com slash kind of funny games and uh, for just one dollar you can watch live with us like so many of you are right now or for a couple more dollars you get to watch the VOD when it goes up on patreon on Friday which is earlier than Monday when it's available to everybody on youtube.com slash kind of funny games. And it's worth going on Patreon because you is. also get the pre and post show that you don't get anywhere else. And it's some real good stuff. It's great it content is. today. You I, guys, was, I was excited to see it. You it's had kind of, a debate between uh, just talking about Star Wars 7 and 8. And yeah, we're talking about Star Wars 7 and 8. I discovered I, I am used to being the person because I liked the mm-hmm. movie a lot, mm-hmm. um, but had some criticisms. And I'm used to being the person in the room that's between two people who just zealously loved it. Yeah. And instead, I was the positive Influence on this so conversation when, as somebody who liked it. Yeah, when I, Kevin Coelho's in the room. I feel like it falls. It's it's kind of in that Return of the Jedi area where it's a really good movie ah. that fits the aesthetic. This is a conversation <laughs> for another time. We're not getting into. You can't give Kevin. this away for free. Yeah, this is no. all your Patreon. You got to you gotta get to that free show. Uh, and speaking of Patreon, shout out to Patreon producer Tom Bach. Thank you, of course, for all that you do. Um, but we're going to get right into it. The structure of today's show. We're going to talk about all the games that we've been playing recently. Yep. And then we're going to get to the topic of the show that is Mike Bithel. Woohoo! 
the journey, cool topic. the future, yeah. everything. That's a good topic. The, the, I like the that. one thing that you know probably better than anyone else is you. It's so. yeah, well, no one else cares. There's a difference. <laughs> it's People not just care. It's, oh dear, sorry, it's Kevin. Of, it's it's not that I'm a genius on the subject. It's that no one else has studied the subject. <laughs> <laughs> so so you edge. are the authority. You're I, the absolute authority. I am the world's leading authority on my own life. That's well, true. maybe today you'll inspire somebody else to become the the next lead authority. I think we should just like hang some red curtains behind him, put some like like candles up like behind the music mm -hmm. and then put a little dramatic lead in and out and to talk about and then everything exactly. exactly so let's start with you mike what have you been playing nothing because we talked a little bit about <laughs> yes. this and i i argued with you i had a little debate you did have i a think debate. you did play a couple things what were you up to so i went to disneyland hell yeah, yeah you did yeah i did hell yeah big disney fan um specifically like as a game designer because mm -hmm. it is like yeah. it is basically a theme park is an open world kind of video game um, and, and all that world building and storytelling I'm obsessed with. I buy books on the statistical analysis of flow patterns around the parks. Okay. These exist. They're very cool. Um, really good at parties. Mm -hmm. um, and, <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and yeah, and, and so I'm obsessed with how they work and kind of the behind the scenes stuff as well. So I have a really good time with it. And the rides are just amazing. That, that's really interesting you're saying this about the, how it relates to, to video games and you as a designer and people that have oh. made games like what when you're walking around Disney how, how do you think you have a different experience than me that's just a fanboy and loves it? I mean 95% of me is just going ah you know excited <laughs> like that's that's 95% but no I, 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 I get obsessed with how um, queuing is organized mm -hmm. I'm really cool I'm, I hope that's coming across <laughs> um, I, I, I get you know the way that they, uh, they the way they'll steer you towards stuff and it's all stuff mm -hmm. you see in in a great kind of uncharted level right mm -hmm. that kind of light color um kind of funneled spaces that kind of push you in the direction the weenies the the things that draw you in and oh and you disneyland toward those is points. so yeah, exactly. full of that and yeah. the way they transition you from world to world is amazing like yeah. the idea that although cardinal sin when i was there i saw two goofies simultaneously <gasps> no you didn't i did somebody's getting fired yeah, someone's, someone's getting, getting fired. they made a goof that's what i give no oh, there you he was go, the one trying to leave oh, the kingdom heart three oh, look at that Okay, you saw two goofies. How saw did you see where? Goofies. Where did you I see was, two goofies? I'm not going to say the date. Oh, in no, wait, listen, no, we don't want to get somebody in trouble. Wow. Wait, but that's but right. there, was, there were two yeah. goofies. One was clearly, have I broken this whole thing? We're going to need you to get up on the mic. Hey. In the, yeah. Um, so one was clearly like a, a show goofy. Uh huh. And one was a walking around goofy. <gasps> so for those that don't know, Sorry, at yeah. Disneyland, yeah. There, there is a rule for the people that mm. work there that. No matter where you're looking, you should not be able to see two of the same characters. Because, right. because there's only one Goofy. There's yeah. only one Mickey, yeah. and to the, like have the whole illusion. Those be are real. not employees. Those are cast members, and yes. this is a show. It's sure. not a you know, and and so you can't break that up. It would be like it's a, yeah, and it was a it was a split moment. Clearly, someone had realized what and was happening. One of them just got sucked <laughs> into the ground. <laughs> <laughs> never seen. There was like one guy manhandling the yeah. second Goofy oh, through a doorway. Man. But it was, it was, that was, but I, I like that kind of stuff. Um, like, and, and uh, Carrie, who's with me, is um, she, she works as a prop maker and puppet maker in the film industry. Oh. So oh. She's, she's looking at it from that direction. So, to the extent that, you know, the fast passes and all mm -hmm. that, we optimize the fast passes and get as much time as we can. But we went, we went back to Guardians of the Galaxy for the queue after we'd rode it because mm -hmm. the queue has all these amazing props. The collectors. And, and for, for the non-British, the queue is the line. Sorry. Yeah, apologies. that's all right. That's all right. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's 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 like it's it's Britain's favorite pastime. He's getting line things. Lines. Yeah. That's a great Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy joke about that. Yeah. Is that? It probably is. Oh, there yeah. is oh, in the film. Is. Yeah, absolutely. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, God, I love uh, Douglas Adams. Um, I rip him off regularly. Um, but <laughs> it's fine. No one notices. It's fine. I've gone <laughs> away good. with it up to this point in my career. It's good. But you were saying before I interrupted you, I'm sorry. But yes, yeah, so, you know, we went back and we we went in the queue for mm. an hour um, and just kind of enjoyed the theming and the that's the like that's the the craft of it is why I enjoy. It's so it. awesome! Yeah, it's amazing. But then, in addition to that, there is video games uh, in some of the rides. There the, is Toy the Story. Two, the two Toy Story ones. There's Midway Mania, and then there is the Astro Blasters. So mm-hmm. I don't. I'm Lightyear. not a big Buzz Lightyear yeah. Yeah. Astro. Okay. It's, 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 it's dated. Old. It's, it's dated. Aged. That's it's the aged. problem. But no, it has though, Kevin. No, it has. It, it has definitely. Especially you can age gracefully, like. Haunted Mansion, still a classic, yeah. still mm-hmm. incredible. That one, not so much. But no, um, the Toy Story one is fantastic. It's amazing. Have you have you experienced? This no, not the Toy Story one. No. Midway Mania is a a ride slash video game mm-hmm. uh, where you get in. It's a bunch of, of Midway inspired games, right. uh, With Mr. Potato Head's kind of like the the host of the thing, mm-hmm. and it's you and one other person in a pod, and you get this little gun. Yeah. With kind of like a slingshot mm-hmm. on it. Yeah. And you're just constantly slingshotting these these like paintballs. Right. Um but it's digital and there's video wall in front of you. No, it's a lot like the stuff they had at Distant Quest, I imagine. I have done something very it's similar. It's done in by Florida. a lot of the same guys yeah. as well, oh, actually. Yeah. Oh, okay, great. Yeah, I'm not I'm not sure. Oh, there you go, you got some video there. Yeah, this yeah. is probably um, all a lot in three D mm-hmm. yeah. visuals, it's amazing. Pull it um, up, Kev? Uh, we're not set for that. Oh, okay. Forget it, sorry. Yeah, we're well, loving it. Anyways, it's like there's like video wall and there's a bunch of different mm-hmm. targets and stuff coming up and then you're just trying to hit with all the paintballs. But because it's video, you're moving physically in space, but then also there's the, you're surrounded kind of by like 3D yep. walls yep. and it's the whole 3D effect and a bunch of random shit's popping up and it's just chaos and you're trying to beat the person next to you. And it's so much fun. It's, and it's tracking it's, your score throughout. Yes. It's lying to you about mm-hmm. previous high scores so that you have a good time and feel that you've achieved well on the on the metric. I know that's fun. Really? Are you, are you, are you any good at it? I think I am, but the yeah. game wants me to think I am. So, uh, you know. What's yeah. funny about it is my friends are addicted to it and love nice. it way too much. Going uh, round and round trying to beat their high scores. But right? there's a game, a video game version of it on Xbox 360. Oh, okay. And you can practice at home and find all the sneaky like extra yeah. points and stuff. There's so, multiplier like, That's how those stuff, people right? get yeah. the insane scores that you okay. see. Oh, okay. The, uh, the thing I like about it as well is just from an, it's ironic from uh, the perspective of originally Disneyland was, was kind of Walt Disney trying to completely uh, do better than Midway. Like mm-hmm. that was his whole goal was that this would not be just a Midway kind of mm-hmm. fairground attraction. He wanted to do something more. It's brilliant that one of the more recent, one of the most impressive rides at Disneyland is actually harking back to those things that Walt yeah. Disney was was arguing against. But yeah, it's 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 really good. We went on it in Disney World and didn't have a good time, mm-hmm. but we realized that's because we'd been queuing for two hours. Yeah. When you queue for five minutes, it's a lot more. It's sorry, a lot line. Get in line for five minutes. Yeah, it's a lot, they have it's a, a fast pass now for it. Yeah. So. I, I, w- I want to go back for a second to sure. something else you were talking about about how the park is designed yeah. and about the force perspective and things like that can you give an example for for people that aren't familiar with that with with how a design principle for video games is acted out in disneyland like a specific example a specific of that that you were example. noticing um yeah. oh it's, there's so many of them one that i love is um as, so in video games and everyone, I'm sure everyone in the audience knows, has seen this, like where you have asset reuse, where you'll have, where, where people don't make each crate you see in a level separately, they'll make one crate and, and populate it around. Um, and then what they'll do is they'll try and be surprising with those uses. There's two really good uses of that in Disneyland. One is between, um, I think it's between, I think it's Adventureland to um, New Orleans. Okay. 
where they use the on the on the buildings they use the exact same kind of um, uh, of uh, roof pieces, but they start separating them more and more towards Adventureland and slowly gradate it over oh. to uh, so they they transition you very slowly. I can't I can't remember. It, I might be getting the location wrong, but there's like this really simple kind of clean uh, move that goes on. Game designers do that all the time, where they'll place props in different ways to incite. The other example I love. I think it's in Disney World in uh, Tomorrowland where they have the bin that's running from the litter bin, the trash can that's running for mayor. Oh, this yeah, in Tomorrowland. Yeah, yeah. Wait, yeah. So you have the exact same trash can across Disneyland. It's always mm-hmm. the same trash can and they just change the logos on it and the design. In Tomorrowland, they have one of those that's on a remote control that they'll drive around. Uh, they'll leave parked somewhere. Okay. And then when someone puts something to, uh, some rubbish in it, it'll come to life and kind of run around and it'll start kind of <laughs> pitching them on the idea of it becoming mayor of Tomorrowland. Yeah. And it's a functioning bin as well. You can actually just put rubbish in and it's fine. It thanks you for it and all this. So it's crazy. actually a cast member just kind of off to the side with like a remote yeah. control or whatever. But some of that kind of magic and, and surprising uh, breaking a pattern okay. is so crucial in game development is that if you make a game where everything's really predictable, players get bored. But if you can kind of set up a pattern and then find a moment to kind of magically subvert that, that's what Disneyland does all the time. Like it, like at the end of Mario 2 when every level you've run into the giant bird head and that meant safety. And it eats yeah. you and you're safe. And then in 7-2, you run up to the giant bird head and, and it, it comes after you. you and attacks you. And, and, it's, and it's amazing. And yeah. all it is, it's not actually, when you break it down as a developer, it's not the... It's, I mean, everything Nintendo does is fantastic, but it's not the hardest, almost clever thing in the world. All they've done is they've created an expectation and subverted it. Mm. I love in um, the first Halo, where the last level is just a race forward, yep. like down the Super back of linear in the Warthog. Mm-hmm. Not a technically challenging thing. I'm sure but, there are interesting technical challenges, yeah. but generally, but, so like, thrilling. but it feels so amazing just to be let loose, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. man, it's worth something special. Kev, are you, are you prepped for that? Uh, no, I'm prepping now. Okay, let me know, let me know when you... When... Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, I He's trying played. to very what, quickly place blame on you there, Tim. Uh, even, like even if it wasn't uh, right now, what yeah. have you been playing in the last couple I loved, months? I was really surprised by Assassin's Creed Origins. That was the one that uh-huh. jumped out to me. Did you like, did you like Assassin's Creed? Or? I like Assassin's Creed sometimes. Uh, I okay. go back and forth. Origins is really neat. Well, um, that's, I think I'm similar to you. I, yeah. I was very, so the, uh, if anyone's played my games, they'll know that the things I love are kind of minimalist graphic design, and I like history and kind of big storytelling in that way. Um, so Assassin's Creed is perfect for me. Like the mm-hmm. first Assassin's Creed I was hyped about, I think like everyone, I thought it was a really good first game. I've seen Greg refer to um, the Uncharted 1 versus Uncharted 2. Yep. Mm-hmm. Very much the case with Assassin's Creed, right? The mm-hmm. first one was gr- was really good, but Assassin's Creed 2 knocks it out That's of the park. That's the real That's start the of the one. franchise. Um, and then I kind of drifted off as a fan, stopped buying the art books, found myself with less Assassin's Creed key rings. You know, I just kind of slowly <laughs> stopped buying all the merch. And then um, obviously Black Flag was awesome. Mm-hmm. Um but I'd like the those uh, syndicate and what was the French one? Unity. Unity. Yeah. Um, those ones had really lost me, and I was I, I I was not in any way excited for Origins. I I think it came out the same day as um, Wolfenstein, so mm-hmm. I kind of that was my game. And Mario and Odyssey. Yeah. Oh, and Odyssey as well, which October I still haven't played. Never forget. Um, yeah. <laughs> for I can't wait. I'm saving that one for a rainy day. Um, so I I just I played Assassin's Creed like two weeks after it launched. And just was so surprised by it and so joyful mm-hmm. about just how fun it was and how surprising it was to be having fun with an Assassin's Creed game. Uh, it felt like I hadn't for a while and it was just, yeah, just an amazing experience. What do you think made the difference? I think 
choice is a big part of it. The fact that it clearly, I mean, it's still, you know, it's still a AAA game. It still has to hold your hand in a lot of ways, but actually it feels for the first time in a while like an open world I can actually explore. I can actually go, I want to go over there and do a thing. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's encouraging. I think the RPG, kind of the light RPG elements to it kind of gave everything a sense of, I'm a sucker for those loops, those mm -hmm. content loops mm -hmm. of just kind of get the level 28 sword, get the level 29 sword. Ah, like I, I just, okay. that, that, scratches, that scratches an itch for me. Um, I really like the storytelling as well. Like the actual, the writing and the, the specifically, I think actually the animation, the performance between uh, Bayek and I forget, is it Anna, Alla, the wife in the I game? Can't remember. remember. But the way they will have a scene and they'll just have kind of a knowing look the way a couple does. You know, yeah, when, yeah. When, you, when, you, when, you, when, you're, when you're talking to someone, you know, you meet someone at a thing and you've, you're, you're being polite to them, but they've been kind of a jerk. And there's that little knowing look to your girlfriend or wife. That's like, everything you and need you to know. And you both know exactly where you're at on that yeah. person and you carry on with your day. Um, those moments, I don't think I've ever seen that in a game. And that just immediately emotionally just pulled me into it. So, and also... Ancient Egypt's really cool. It is. Right, yeah. Like, that's, I mean, that's also a factor. I know. love Ubisoft for the zaniness that they have. And sometimes mm. it doesn't pay off. And they spend 25 minutes talking about a skiing game at the end of the E3 conference. <laughs> and sometimes it results in, like, you know what? We're going to make a AAA adventure game about Roman Ptolemic Egypt. Yeah, that sounds good. Uh, and that shouldn't exist. And then when it does, it's refreshing and new and oh. wonderful. And that, that history is so spectacular. And you're like, it's so well presented. Exactly. I went out and immediately bought a couple of books on the era, which I've not actually got around to reading yet, but that like, I found myself wanting to spend more time. In the that game inspired you to look yeah. into. Egypt. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I, awesome. I read a bit of history, but not, not, an enormous amount, but that was just one thing that immediately just made me want to. And especially dive in. that moment, that clash of, of Egyptian, Grecian, and Roman culture all coming together. It's right almost there. it's kind of that Flintstones thing of you, you know, these these Romans and Egyptians and the Greek all interacting at the same time. Like yeah. you, you, you learn the way they teach it in schools. I don't know if it's the same in America, but the way they teach it in schools is very separated. Uh -huh. Dinosaurs and cavemen, they never met. I mean, obviously they didn't, but this kind of these periods or these, these kind of cultures clashing with each other. I mean, how many, if, if, uh, if you don't mind me asking, how many, how much does it stick to the history? How much does it tweak things to make things it work? It tweaks things to make them adventure-y, but there's plenty. Does it plenty like play around? Like, does it bring Cleopatra <laughs> into an era where she wasn't and that kind of thing? It, it bends some rules, but you, you've still ultimately got, you've got the rise of Octavian and mm -hmm. you've got her there and you've got Augustus and, and it, it fits well enough. This is actually... Um, I, this is what I did my undergraduate and my master's in was, oh, cool. was this period. So that's something I really, really care about. And it's got an, they do an adaptation. They do what you want in right. a good movie. They, they mm -hmm. give you enough to go out and dig up the facts and you get to have cool things. Right? You, know, you, you look at the historical event of something like the Battle of the Nile mm -hmm. or, or Antony and Cleopatra and it's already dramatic enough. And so they just they grab from the best parts of each story, kind of like a good myth writer would. Yeah. And they grab the best pieces of all of those, throw them in together, and then and then let you know if you want to go up and dig up the history and read your books later on, you're going to find some good stuff there. That's great. That yeah. Is awesome. That's cool. That sounds about the right level to go for because because yeah. it's not a history lesson. I mean, well, actually, it literally is a history lesson now. Right? They added that to the game. Yeah, there's plenty. There's plenty of history in that game. I mean, there's a lot that mean, they don't fudge. Yeah. I think yeah. people sometimes get a little hung up on the absolute. I mean, we 
people get hung up on it with like fictional properties mm -hmm. as well but like the idea of like absolute canonical fact yeah. is something mm -hmm. that maybe doesn't matter as much as i think sometimes entertainment we, yeah, yeah exactly yeah. like yeah well just the idea that you're in any roman installation and a group of romans would just run at you once they detect it that's not what's going to happen they're yeah. going to form a tiny little shield wall in the middle of everything and trap you and you will die but they're going to win but that's not, yeah, yeah. Exactly. they're going to win that's <laughs> what's going to happen <laughs> things, they spent several hundred years yeah it's yeah. exactly. things that absolutely don't make sense but doesn't matter because because it's fun uh, Kev, can you pull up the tweet? So, <gasps> Kid Ellis, uh, who works over at Nintendo of America, great uh -huh. guy. He does a lot of the, the PR kind of stuff over there. He tweeted this uh, a couple days ago, and he says, In my opinion, this is the single greatest piece of video game artwork ever made. All the joy and possibilities the gamers can bring us are right here. And mm -hmm. it's the, the box art of Super Mario Bros. 3, yeah. the American version of... <sighs> Just the <laughs> yellow with just Mario with yeah. the, the raccoon tail just flying, mm -hmm. like taking flight. And uh, this tweet like really resonated with me. And I was like, wow, I've never thought about it that way. Where, I mean, you take a, a raccoon tail and you take a person, you put him together and he flies. It just made sense to me. I played Mario. I'm like, cool. That makes, mm -hmm. I, I, I'm not questioning this, but it's like, neither of those things fly. Like, no. why would this happen? It doesn't matter. It's fun. And him saying that it's like everything that you need to know about this game and the fun is right there. Uh, I was like super taken aback by that. And I was like, I'm busting out Mario 3. Ah! I'm, playing, I'm playing through it for the thousandth time. And I was just like, I'm doing this. And I sat there and it's just that one sitting of just start to finish playing through now, it. Did you, do, did you do the long route classic. or the short route? I did a mix. A mix. Um, okay. I didn't do all the warps, uh, but I warped from, one, from World 1 to... Four, I think you it went to was. Giant World, yeah, and then okay. I did it from Giant World on. Okay, okay, so you but skipped man. the desert, which is one of yep. the best, actually. Yeah, it uh, is definitely. But man, Mario Brothers Three is just such a such a fantastic game, and like the debate between Mario World and Mario Three, we need to settle it at some point, once and for all. Oh, I'm in. I'm uh, in like Flynn. But it's it's definitely there's a question, and I, I I grew up thinking Mario World's number one, and the more that I go back, the more that I think about it, I think I might be wrong about that. No, I, special. I think it's Jeremy Parrish who distilled. He said, you know, it kind of comes down to, and if I'm I'm paraphrasing mm -hmm. here that you've got Mario 3 is a collection of bite-sized chunks of gameplay. Each of each level is very short, but does something very distinctive mm. well. Whereupon Mario World has a different focus on, they're both about exploration, but very different kinds of exploration. Mario World is about unlocking all the hidden secrets of the map and finding the alternate routes. Whereupon Mario 3 is about kind of doing one thing really well and moving on to the next as soon mm. as that idea is over. The sun and, only chases uh, you in one level, right? I, like, why is that not a Smash Brothers level? <laughs> oh, that'd be Why is that not a Smash Brothers level? That's, yeah, I, I don't understand. Sun. Yeah, that sun coming down every now and then. But I, I do love what you said about the art there and, and what Kit said. Um, you know, Mario 1, when I first saw it, it was like it came down from outer space. After video games I played before that, the world just went on and on and on and on, never seen anything like it. Mario 2 comes along, it's weird, it's madcap, it's beautiful, it's odd, I loved it. It scrolls both horizontally in subsections and vertically in others, and you can be different characters, you're kind of floating. Mario 3 comes along and the message is clear from that art, from all the hype, he can fly at last. Your enemies this entire time have been fallen in the holes. The Koopas are not the enemies. Mm -hmm. The Hammer Brothers are not who kill you. It's fallen in the holes. Now you can fly. And the world just scrolls smooth as butter, any diagonal you want to go on. And that was just the ultimate expression of freedom and power in kiddom. Yeah. Uh, I love that. That's so good. I mean, so earlier you were saying that like your your dad didn't let you play games when uh, my you were dad, younger. My so. dad would sneak video games in. My, my oh. parents wouldn't let me play video games as a kid. So my knowledge of games comes in around, yeah, Dreamcast. I, my knowledge of Mario, I had, I had a, 
my my sister had a Game Boy with Mario World Two on it. Oh, so that's my kind of entry point. And then I remember, I think I think I played them. I think I played Mario Brothers Three like. Maybe in was there was like a bundle right where it was all the previous Mario games that came all out. Stars. All stars, all stars. Yep. So a friend of mine had all stars. I had one friend who had all stars, and I had one friend who had Sonic, and I would kind of use their uh-huh. consoles. I'm sure lots of people did. This. So you had the greatest video game cartridge ever made of all time. With, with but all I, stars. I did not get enough time on it because <sighs> that friend quite liked it himself. Yeah. Mm. And I would. So I spent a lot of time watching Mario. Mm-hmm. That was my experience. But but yeah. So so like yeah. I come in. I come in as a player of Mario. Like sunshine like did, that's, that's did, you, did you go back and like like have you played through I've, I've the played, original mario's no and wow. that's, yeah that, i that need to my, like that's such an interesting kind well, of especially as as like the game i'm best mind. known for is a mario ripoff it's a platform, <laughs> right? like, i should probably check those guys that's out. cool yeah. though i think that's like that's so unique it's unique or uneducated. You could look at it both ways. I'm, I, I I'm naive. I like I'm 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 innocent in my influences. Yeah. Do you have your Do you have your 3ds with you on the trip? I do not have oh. any console with me on the trip, sadly. Oh, that's too bad. You yeah, can put play all three up. of those on there. I think oh. you'd be playing them on the road. I should I, I I like I should definitely go back and play Mario. I played Sonic a lot, so I I, I still like played played the first couple of worlds of Sonic a lot. I didn't a lot, actually yeah. play anything else. <laughs> Um, so I do need to go back at some point and check them out. Wow. Yeah. I'll just send mine with you. Noob. Well, continuing on the, the retro uh, flair for a little bit, Jared, what have you been playing Uh-oh. this last week? Uh, here we go. Back to the list. You know, we, we had to we had to trim it down a little bit here. Mm-hmm. But yeah. <laughs> we talked before the show. We together. talked to before get the show. You got, you got to get it where it's got to go here. Now, um, a few things this week. Um, I went back, first off, on Steam to a game that I enjoyed and didn't get enough time in, uh, River City Ransom Underground. Uh, which I bought some time ago. Arc System Works. It's you ever like played an that? RPG fighting game? Yep, it's an RPG yeah. brawler. brawler. Yeah, four player. Yeah. No, a fighting brawler. Fighting yeah, brawler it it yeah, mixes yeah. all of them. Okay. It's, it's really wonderful. It's based on one of the best NES games, River City Ransom, which is a beautiful, just kind of perfect brawler. It's mm-hmm. it's maybe the greatest of all time. And um, But it's also part of a series of games in Japan. There have been like more than 30 of these, uh, the Kunio games. And these characters in each game are just recast again and again and again. So one in one game, they're, they're street thugs fighting, you know, fighting brawls with rival gangs. And the next one, they're in their high school play, you know, and they're reliving a period piece. And so the whole game is a samurai play that they're doing at their oh, high wow. school. And so they're on stage, and that lets you throw these characters back into ancient Japan. And it's always the same characters. It's, it's always that same. kind of troop of actors. Exactly, That's yeah. Cool. And they have this very distinctive look, and they do these um, great – some of the games came to America, like Super Dodgeball is very famous, but these incredible sports games. The basketball game is unreal. Hmm. It, it's, it never came to the States. It's so good. And they've made games since, and it wasn't just NES. They branched out to other platforms. There's even arcade games based on the series, and uh, or or series based on. It depends on how you want to look at it. But so, what what is River City Ransom Underground? It's a remake slash reimagining of River City Ransom for four players RPG brawler combination. Beautiful, great mechanics. True to the spirit of the original, but a completely new game. Lots and lots and lots of depth, which you're not used to in Brawlers. Lots of incentives to go back and try new things. Lots of characters with unique ability. Lots of special movesets you learn. Character advancement. Fights don't get boring It's because you have to engage every enemy a different way. It's great. And I'm so glad to go back to it. And then that got me thinking. I had been on my sitting on my horse last week. We were, we were talking about the uh, the Nintendo Direct, mm-hmm. and I, this is attitude I do not completely understand. I get that the 3DS is 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 on its last legs, and I'm mm-hmm. fine with that. What I don't get is 
ever giving up on any platform that has good games to play on it, mm-hmm. uh, especially for the inhabitants of Vita Island that we have here. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> I, I don't quite get that. So there's still some good games for 3DS, and one of those that came out not too long ago is another River City Ransom game, River City Ransom Rival Schools. And so I got my old Axe Head 2DX, 2DS out, mm-hmm. the Big Ugly. Yeah. You remember that sucker? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, got that out and started playing Rival Schools again. And that is an interesting, different take on River City Ransom. It has a three-day, it's kind of like Majora's Mask and River City Ransom had a baby. Okay. There's a day-night cycle, a three-day timer, incentives to go back to the games, different plot choices that lead to different things happening. Different stuff can only happen at different times of day. There's a city to explore. It's non-linear. It's really fun. And again, it's a brawler. So that's odd. And it's it's a kind of game, it feels in a way like Dragon's Crown in that regard. Oh, interesting. Um, okay. It's fun. Uh, there's some things about it that are weird. Um, I, I can't quite understand. Like, you, you get mocked for some strange things by rival gangs. I I met a girl, and she's like, I want to be your, your girlfriend. You're like, I just met you. And then a gang comes along, and they're like, let's fight. And you fight. And then That's they wild, slap man. the girl yeah. in the face, and they're like... <laughs> Are you upset we slapped that girl? Are you crying because the girl got slapped? You're a wimp. We're going to tell everyone on social media. And then they run away in luchador masks. So some weird things happen Japan. in that game. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but it's 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 darn entertaining and a very unique. And I realize these are two, I, I'm talking a lot, but these are two separate imaginings of the same source material, mm. completely different games, mm. both really fun. Mm. I love That doesn't happen much. At all, and and so I'm just, and I don't know how Arc System Works is making money making these, yeah. but they're both worth your time. Well, okay. that's the thing. Usually, is if you're if you're working because obviously the franchise side of things. Like, if your franchise is making enough money to justify that many releases, usually you're being very conservative with them because you want to make sure you know that you keep recapturing that lightning in a bottle, right? Mm-hmm. So the idea of actually having a franchise like just spin out and do lots of weird things. I really liked um, the Blood Dragon idea from Ubisoft. Mm. I kind of got it. That didn't yep. have more. I wanted to play Assassin's Creed Blood Dragon. Like I wanted that. That kind of those remaxes. Awesome. Yes, right. Cyberpunk assassins. Yeah. I think that, and they tried with Trials of the Blood Dragon. It didn't really didn't fire, really, right? I don't think. I don't think it. Oh, well, maybe it did, but it didn't seem from the outside like that one kind of caught people's. Yeah, it seems much. like people didn't like that one much. Yeah. But so, I love the idea. You're right. That's. A great I, idea. I, I wish people would take more risks with these kind of franchise and IPs and. Yeah, so it's a shame. Get weird. You, yeah, get weird. Why yeah. not? Why not? Because, like, look at uh, the Sonic game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like the, the Sonic Mania. Like they did it. They did, they did it. it. They, they made a good did, Sonic game. But they and they <laughs> but they did it by just completely spinning off in a different direction than than what their kind of overwhelming strategy was. Yeah, yeah. And, more and as an indie developer who's kind of often pitching to publishers and having those kind of conversations, it's it's really it's so hard to get a publisher on board for those kind of ideas. Mm-hmm. And it's so cool to see that work and for the audience to embrace it. Yeah, and latch onto it. Oh man, when we get to the Mike Bithel part of this, I can't wait to ask you more about that. I <laughs> will not be able to tell you anything. Yeah. Uh, I will tell you after after we after we've after wrapped cameras up go stories. Off. Yeah, right, we'll I so Jared, the next game you have on here might be the most Jared Petty thing I've, <laughs> I've ever seen in my life. And I, I'm a little scared, uh, if I'm being honest. Uh, I have it down as Oregon Trail handheld. Okay, so I what? love hand. Yeah, I love handhelds. Um, but no, actually, Gary's talked about this too. Um, Target of all places, we say Target exclusive, dedicated handheld. It's the oh. Oregon Trail. Um, have you ever played the Oregon Trail, Mike? I've not, but but actually, it's a dedicated. You're saying it's dedicated. Oh yeah. wow! It's okay. it's it's a simple, cheap little you know LED screen and a few dedicated buttons. It's actually put together pretty well. At least the one I have seems to be pretty durable. And it's the classic MECC 
version of the Oregon Trail. It's a port. It's not, or I don't think it's running through an emulator looking at the uh, graphics because it has some functions that are specific to the handheld. Mm -hmm. It knows where it is, which is good because right. uh, it was, there's a, been, the Oregon Trail originally invent, ran on teletype. Like you played it through a teletype machine. It's that old and it's just been remade over. It's a, it's not a monitor. It's a printer. Imagine playing a video yeah. game and then the output comes out oh, on wow. a printer and then you enter a new command. But gradually, it, it's it's evolved into many different versions. The most iconic of which is the Apple II version that was released by MEC, uh, the Medi Minnesota Educational Computing Consortium, mm -hmm. which was a group of early educational software makers mm -hmm. in America and who in the United States. Died of dysentery. They, who all died of dysentery? Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. <laughs> but they. Um, uh, Mac, Apple and Mac kind of dominated American public schools in right. the mid-1980s. Okay, so um, similar to what the BBC did with the BBC Micro in the it, UK. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Uh, almost exactly the same kind right. of thing. Yeah. And Oregon Trail is, uh, I'm not going to rant too long on it, but it's one of the most brilliant video games ever. Um, it does it more so things. I hate huh? it so much. <laughs> uh, the Oregon Trail was a game. It's a game. <laughs> no, no, the Oregon Trail was a game that it's designed to be deliberately subversive. It's a, it's nominally a one-player game, but it's designed for a one computer for classroom setting. Mm -hmm. Totally. So let's put the names of all your friends in, and you can mm -hmm. all and because it's turn-based, you can all sit there and decide what to do, mm -hmm. and you can argue about what's going to happen next. But it also did amazing things, like you know, you could put your you know, your friend's name in, or you could put some other kid's name in, or you could put the teacher's name in. And or you then, can name him Poop. Yeah, or you can name him Poop, and it didn't stop you from doing that. <laughs> and then you're going down the trail, and it's just like, hey, Tim, I'm playing with you. Oh, t wait, you made me mad? Start, like, putting the pace up, making bad decisions. Oh, Tim has typhoid. Uh-oh, we better move faster, and I could kill Tim. Or it just would be like, nope, sorry, Tim's dead, ha-ha. Oregon Trail as a six-year-old when I first played this game. Mm -hmm. It was the greatest trick that teachers ever pulled on us because it was like, hey, look, it's a video game, yep. and it got us all excited to play a video. I, I could not. You I had a not. gun, and you murdered endangered species. You shot buffalo by the thousands, and then you learned that you could only carry 100 pounds of meat, and so you were wasting their flesh, mm -hmm. and it all just lay on the prairie and rot, but you do it again because you're a horrible child, and you kill them, and you'd help. And I never then, got that. Far. And they get sticking in your head, and there's a- <laughs> You died of this. Yeah, I died of this. Yeah. There's a million little subversions like that in it. Um, also, the fact that, um, actually, I'm gonna write a book about this someday. Um, there's there's these things in there where like you, you were playing with a group of people, but it was saved on a floppy disk, and if you died in the game, if you got mm -hmm. wiped out, you could all die. Uh, which was weird for a kid's game, you could just leave a tombstone behind and you could engrave it with whatever you wanted. It would have here lies that it, and so you would leave profanities or horrible messages and you would put for them the on the disc and the next person who came along and played it, if they reached that spot, they would find your tombstone oh, wow. and it would pop up and it could tell. So if you used the original Dark Souls. Exactly. So if you used a fake name, you could leave these horrible obscene messages for your fellow hmm. kids or jokes or whatever you wanted. And some of those, because you, you know, school computers lasted for years, you'd be five years later and there'd be some like kid that had been like five years older than you leaving this horrible obscenity for you yep. to discover. That's, That's pretty cool. I remember yeah. the old drawing programs you'd have on the school computers would always pick cross. so much, so much stuff saved. Kid picks. 
Yeah. And they would always have some disturbing yeah. imagery in them. Bless Kids, them. man, they have imagination. They're great. And it was designed around that, but because it embraced that stuff and because it was a very well-designed game and it was actually fun for a million. It taught you about history, but also taught you about environmentalism. It taught you uh, a lot about economy. Mm-hmm. That was a huge deal. It taught you a ton about economics without you realizing it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of spectacular in that regard. So a great game, and the handheld's a really good, faithful version. That's cool. Uh, I nice. like it. Target exclusive, interesting. Uh, so the next up, we got Xbox backwards compatibility. So you've been you've been playing dabbling. I have, with that a yeah. Bit. I got back. So the Xbox backwards compatibility is really kind of like ridiculously well supported. Is it now? I, I remember. I've not checked in for a while. It's like E3. They always bring out the, the who's list, the big guns right? and who's more. But it's yeah. like yeah, in in between those months, they just keep announcing really? stuff. And okay. you know, I'm not going to go too far into this because people have heard it. But uh, I recently got the Xbox One X and checked it out for the first time. And yeah, it's like the the amount of games available on both the original Xbox mm-hmm. and 360, it's kind of mind-boggling. It's especially the Xbox Live Arcade stuff I can't believe they're supporting. Want to mm-hmm. play that awesome lost 2D Blood Rain game that no one played? Guess what? It still works. No way. Wanna, wow. Yeah, want to play Radiant Silver Gun? Guess what? It still works. Because I, I shipped a game on Xbox Live Arcade years ago, and it's, it's it frustrates me that no one can play it. And I especially, I want to go back and try it. It's called, um, I worked on a, 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 when I was working on a bigger team called Invincible Tiger, The Legend of Handau. It was the first uh, th- uh, 3D, digital 3D game. Um, as in, as in stereoscopic glasses. Oh, no got it. kidding. Yeah, I, I, I don't think that's on the list. I Probably not. Out. I think it sold like five copies. Like, <laughs> I, think, I don't think it did amazingly well. Did you um, still get paid? Hell yeah, I did. All right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, no, but I mean, all the way down to things like Fusion Frenzy, which like I just oh, remember. Also from the studio I used to work on. I, really? I didn't work on it. It was just, just before I joined. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's no awesome. Kidding. Did you work on any of I love that. Um, demo. I'm trying to think. So I was a Blitz uh, who did, so like Xbox 360 era was when I kind of came in just at the start of the Xbox 360 era. So it was um, Invincible uh, Tiger. We did one of the Dead to Rights games. Remember the Cop and His Dog mm-hmm. games? Yeah. Uh, the Xbox 360 version had the test to kill. Which is the single best named? Uh, but that's the best context action in video game history, I think. Um, and then I'm trying to think why else I shipped on Xbox 360. Not a lot else. Lots of like Nickelodeon tie-ins on the Wii and stuff. Oh, lovely! Yeah. Oh, that's fun. Well, I'm... one of which is now a meme in Brazil. A Brazilian meme. What is the meme? Uh, it's I. So iCarly. iCarly. Well familiar. Yeah. 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 Um, we did a we did a tie-in game for that. And it's a thing in Brazil. I just keep getting messages from Brazil about it. Now, like, I need to ask, did you yeah. work on Corey bringing down the house on the Nintendo DS? Because in America, did not work that is a meme. Okay, no, I didn't yeah. work on that one. I worked on the, it was the Wii title. It was actually a bit ahead of its time because you. it was like a little, uh, you could like sequence kind of a bit WarioWare, but you could kind of sequence different mini games together, uh, build your own kind of YouTube show mm-hmm. before, obviously it was even called YouTube, but like, you could. It was a little ahead of its time. It was kind of a creative toy rather than a game. But oh, I'm flying to like Marky Mark, make your own video now. Yeah, <laughs> it was the Spice Girls game oh, on PlayStation my. where you could make music videos. Gosh, and remixes. Was, oh yeah, yeah, I was addicted to that shit because I'm a sick fuck. Well, um, so, but, okay, so you've yeah. been playing Guardian Heroes. Yeah, and this is uh, a big surprise. I'm going to talk about a Sega Saturn game, but um, Guardian <laughs> Heroes is redonkulous. It's so good. Uh, I, I, I've been on a brawler kick lately, and uh, mm-hmm. maybe that's what got me on it. So Guardian Heroes looks like a brawler. Mm-hmm. Um, it's extremely colorful. The remake is is not just competent; it's superb. It's one of the one of the more loving TLC remakes I've mm-hmm. seen on the on the 360. It moves it to widescreen. 
uh, and and the and the transference is great. Uh, it moves it to HD, but you can still get high, like high res pixelated graphics for it, or go into a different graphics mode. It, the controls are perfect. You can play as multiple characters, all of whom have vastly different abilities, magic spells, different. And again, it's that RPG mix level up thing. Mm -hmm. But every time you play through, you have choices to take you through different routes in the games. You play it over and over and over again. And each way you play through is a different result. And then it plays a different character. It's different. It's great. It's beautiful. It's one of the brightest, most colorful. It looks like a freaking cartoon. It's glorious. But it what makes our heroes really stand out is that it looks like a brawler, but it controls like a fighting game. When I say fighting game, okay. I mean in terms of like a Street Fighter style sure. game. There are three planes. You know, normally on a brawler, okay. Can you, you pull move, up Guardian Heroes? Yeah, normally on like a Ninja Turtle Simpson style brawler, you'll kind of move up and down mm -hmm. the screen. And mm -hmm. in Guardian Heroes, what you're using, doing is using your bumpers or to whatever. Flip between to the flip between the between like three planes. Like Mighty Power Rangers you know, on the Super <laughs> Nintendo. There you go. Yeah. Okay, yeah, a lot like that. So you're coming up, and then your controls, because you're doing that, that means up is now free to jump. And so your controls oh, feel God. like a okay. fighting game. And you're engaging all your enemies, and you have okay. this huge move sets for every character. And then your enemies have a lot of different move sets. And so you see he's hopping between planes right now. Right there. Now this is, uh, he's going to beat some barrels. It was very early in the game. And actually kind of a dark level. Most of the levels are really bright and colorful. That's beautiful. Um, this looks really cool, though. Yeah, that's a great game. I love the idea of the the different tiers of flipping back and forth instead yeah. of the Ninja Turtle style control. Because I feel like a big problem a lot of brawlers have is it's hard to understand where you're punching. Exactly. Like, where's yeah. my 3D depth on this? And with yeah. this, it's like, oh, it's clearly one, two, or three. Yeah, see, they're in the they're in the forward. Now he's hopping into the middle right there. And these oh, guys are lovely. allies. That dude, by the way, is a You get this magic sword at the beginning of the game, and you're like, oh, hey, where'd this magic sword come from? And you're getting your butt kicked, and then suddenly lightning strikes the magic sword out of your hero's hand. And that dude rises out of the earth behind you and grabs it and screams. And you're like, he's gonna kill me. And then he joins you and he's your buddy for the whole game. That's and awesome. it's it's it, it's got a wow, really this looks insane. oh, it's the art so good. awesome. And the uh, the that that three D effect on the ground. The um, oh, what's his name? Is lovely. Yeah, I love this game. It also has a like up to six player, and it might be even increased. On Xbox, it might be all the way up to like twelve. I can't remember. But wow. it's this multiplayer like combat like brawl mode as mm. well. So you just hop in with your friends and beat each other up. So, yeah. but but you can play co-op. That with looks several super awesome. I want to try that. Oh, that's a great game. I yeah. can't believe I've never seen or heard of it. Like I, I'm obviously aware of Gunstar Heroes, but I didn't know about Guardians. And it's by Heroes. Treasure. Same, so, same, oh, same group. Yeah, yeah, man. same folks. Wow, very yeah. cool. Nice. Uh, and then the last thing you got on here is Bioshock. Yeah, so I was working uh -huh. on a hop, lip, and a jump. Hey, I'm going to guess what? Second episode's out by the time you're watching this. If you're watching it I'll on Monday it or Friday, for that matter. It's out Friday. But yeah, hop, lip, and a jump. Um, I had to do a lot of footage capture for that. I always do. Mm -hmm. And thematically, it tied into Bioshock a lot. So I ended up going back and starting Bioshock again for the mm. first time in forever. You know what? That game's still real neat. Oh, nice. yes. Um, nice. There's there's a lot of rough around the edges, but sometimes I like rough around the yeah, edges. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I, all I can really say about that is the first half of Bioshock sure is rad. Mm -hmm. um, and then just don't play anymore after the first half. Really? But, but the first half of Bioshock is really, really rad. And oh, I don't know. I, I, I love what's it. What's the turning point? What's the point? Uh, right right after, after, really everything after Ryan, I feel like, is just kind of mop up. I mean, the level design is still mm. very good, but it, it, it does, it almost feels obligatory. Gotcha. Mm. Sometimes I wish that game had, thing. yeah, sometimes, I mean, it's good. They, they put a lot of love into that game from beginning to end. I don't want to be too hard on it. 
but I mm. almost feel like ending at Ryan might have been a better game. Mm. Um, they they really just nail you. I'd actually forgotten that there was stuff after Ryan. Like yeah. you know what I mean? Like yeah. uh, there's the, a lot too. Yeah, yeah. there's wow. quite a bit of game, That's and it's funny. fine. Huh. I don't want to. So, but hey, uh, mechanically it's a little awkward now, and it feels dated, but feels. I have this thing about the language of controls. You mm. know, I understand that yes, B B shoots and A jumps. Um, that's very important. You can't break that rule. Uh, and likewise with twin six shooters, we've gotten to the point that everything is codified. But maybe it's good to be brought out of our comfort zones and controls every now and then and be like, by the way, there are different ways to approach games besides the same way we approach every one. Mm -hmm. And so when something feels different, that's not necessarily bad. Don't reject it just because it doesn't fall into the language of control that you understand. One of my oldest examples of that is Bionic Commando. Mm -hmm. um, which was a platformer where you can't jump. Yeah. If you played that game for two minutes, you would think it's the worst 2D platformer imaginable. You play it for an hour and you realize you're playing an incredible video game. Mm -hmm. Do you agree? Do you, do you like oh, it? Oh, Bionic Commando, yeah, different level. And, and so it's, but it's different mm -hmm. and that makes people afraid of it. All right, that's what I've been playing. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, so Mike. Hello. I, I'm really interested in a lot of things you were talking about there. You were at Blitz. Yeah, so sorry, you, dude. So I can do the whole. Do you want me to do the whole? I love. Let's start. Let's start there. And then I just want to know. Pretty, we don't need to do the whole like. And then I did and then this. I, did this. And I met this guy. Yeah, and he was like, it, "You're gonna go far, kid." And <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and here we are today. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, so you just you just put out the the game on Switch, mm -hmm. and it, it came out on PC last year, right? Yeah, August last year. Yeah, yeah. And so I remember there was something about it that was unique, like the release. We, like you Beyonce dropped it. We Beyonce dropped it. Yeah. And that was Beyonce. Beyonceing uh -huh. was the that was the verb we used internally. Good. Like we're gonna Beyonce this. Love that. Um. And yeah, and it worked. Like, and people liked part. it a lot. Ooh, now it's yeah. on Switch. People yeah. can get that. So it's a so it's a small game. Anyone who's not uh, who's not familiar with it, it's called Subsurface Circular. Mm -hmm. It's a text adventure game. Uh, that's how we framed it. Um, basically a dialogue game, like a, like kind of like a, like a Mass Effect dialogue tree, the game, basically. Mm -hmm. All text-based, no voiceover. Um, it was made in four months uh, because we had a gap, because we'd, <laughs> I, I don't want this to be the bashing publishers uh, uh, show, but we, we'd had some, sadly a publisher had let us down with something, so we had kind of this weird six-month gap in our schedule where we had to do something, and it was mm -hmm. like, oh, we'll make a, a little experimental game. And then about, yeah, about, about, a month before we were ready to ship it, we kind of looked at it and went, this is actually quite good. We could, so we polished it up a bit, got it a little bit more uh, kind of respectable. But there was this fear because it's it's got kind of a cool visual style to it. It looks, it renders quite nicely because we've got some really good art in there. The artist was fantastic. Um, and I had this massive fear that when you see a screenshot of it, it looks a lot like Mass Effect. Mm -hmm. It looks a lot like, I mean, not up, up to that level, but kind of, it looks like it's the dialogue system from an RPG. Mm -hmm. And I was terrified about overhype. I was terrified that players would look at that. And it's only about two hours-ish long. It's a short game. Yeah. Uh, and we price it accordingly and kind of make it very clear to the audience that it's a short game. And I was just very scared of people overestimating what this game was, especially as a sci-fi game. Sci-fi games are very easy mm -hmm. to imagine a massive thing in vast your head, thing, vast yeah. thing in your head. And we didn't, we hadn't made that. So yeah, I, I kind of, I kind of asked if we could just go, hey, can we, um, can we like not tell anyone about this? So we just completely went silent, um, didn't mention it, and yeah, we Beyonce dropped it. We just released it at six p.m. UK time, so ten a.m. our time put it on Steam. We talked to Valve beforehand, they liked it, so they were kind of on board with this and they liked the idea of an experimental kind of, well, if we just launch this and nobody knows what would happen. Um, and yeah, it's done, it's reviewed amazingly well, the player reaction to it's been fantastic. It's 
you know, it was profitable very quickly and is now doing its thing. And yeah, yeah Switch came out, I think, uh, yeah, just last week. And that's now uh, the 10th best selling game in the UK and uh, on Switch. God, so what, 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 how, it's going crazy well, which, which is we're still kind of, but you, you can hopefully tell from my tone, it's like, I still am worried about hype. Mm -hmm. I don't want to oversell it. Mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a small game. It should be taken in that way. Um, but yeah, it seems to have kind of connected. How does that internal meeting work where you say, <laughs> we're going to make a visually impressive text adventure game? So so the the the, the dynamic of yeah, Bithel Games, there you go, the, the company, um, is um, for a long time it was me. It was just me and like a bunch of uh, awesome kind of collaborators and freelancers I brought in for each project. And then about two years ago, I brought in a guy called Alexander Slowinski. He used to be a games journalist, he used to work at Joystick. Um, and someone I'd always kind of chatted with, and 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 he's a very business-minded person. He'd kind of got his MBA and was looking to kind of go in. He, he was going to go and join the games industry somewhere. Mm -hmm. And I kind of said to him, look, I need a boss. Mm. I need someone who can, like, come in, make sure everyone's paid on time, you know, <laughs> tell me not to do stupid things. Um, so that's kind of our dynamic is always kind of he's the the logical business person and I'm the kind of let's do the stupid thing. Uh, and that kind of balances out really nicely and it leads to kind of creative stuff, but creative stuff where the lights stay on and yep. everyone's looked after. <laughs> um, and this, and yeah, subsurface was this weird situation where, yeah, we had this kind of this, this gap of time we had to fill. Well, we didn't even have to fill it. It was kind of, we were financially kind of comfortable enough as a studio. Mm -hmm. We could have spent the time uh, doing anything. And yeah, I just, I pitched Alexander. I said, look, I, I've, I feel our games, people like the stories in our games. They like the writing. Um, but one of my biggest problems with our games is they're very linear. They're very much like play the game mm -hmm. and while you're doing so, here's Oscar winning actor Andy Serkis. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and he'll tell you, he'll do, he'll tell you a cool that story. Is amazing. Or here's Danny Wallace doing his thing. And it's like, yeah. and, and, and that was cool and people like it. And I love writing and working with those actors. Um, but it does uh, it does it does mean that the player's not really telling the story. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to play with the idea of kind of choice based gameplay, nonlinear stuff. Um, and I yeah I pitched Alexander like here's a very small budget game because it's just a text adventure game. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna get Andy Serkis is not gonna be involved in this one. Yeah. We're not gonna do that because he for people that don't know. Oh, sorry, he was, he in, was, he was the villain in, in, in volume. In volume. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and he was great. Um, and then yeah, and lots of my games have had those kind of big actors because I enjoy I enjoy working with them and. You know, just squealing with glee as I try and find I mean, out Star Wars spoilers. Your life, you know? your life doesn't make sense. Like this is so cool that you get, you're making these games. Each of your games is so different than the last. And like to yeah. go back to, I got very lucky. It, I got very lucky. Where, where was that point though? Like when Thomas was alone, like that being such the hit that it was, and the, that darling. was the turning point. So I was very lucky. So the way Thomas, so a lot of indie games are made. You know, people quit their day jobs and they go, "We've got X amount of money in the bank. Let's go and make a game." Right? Mm -hmm. It's very kind of very dangerous, very risky, but obviously you can pay off massively. Um, I was a chicken and go I didn't go that route I went let's not do that because I want to like you know pay the bills uh so I'm I made a small prototype 24-hour like game jammy version of Thomas was alone mm. and I put it online and immediately got in a lot of trouble for doing so because I was employed at a game studio at the time oh. um, <laughs> and you're, you're in conflict of interest and all that stuff Fortunately, they were very, very gracious and said, look, it's about rectangles. We don't have any interest in this. This isn't going to work for us. It seems like a cool idea, though. You should keep playing with it in your own time kind of thing. And they wrote a contract for me that said, we don't own this. We'll never come back and claim ownership. Wow. Yeah, which, which is a really... Like a bandit. I, and, and I did uh, very quickly. So, we, so I made that game while having a job. And, hmm. so, so, and Thomas Was Alone cost, I think, uh, my time plus about 2,000 pounds. Mm -hmm. So 
what's that, like $2,500, $3,000? Well, the pound keeps going. So uh, <laughs> I don't know, it might change by the time this goes out. Um, hmm. but, but it was very cheap because it was just basically paying for the voiceover sessions and recording and stuff like that. Okay. Um, so a very cheap game. So we launched a game with no money spent, really, just my time, basically three years of my life kind of uh, devoted to it. So when it did well even modestly at the start, that was still massive and awesome. And then, and yeah, I got very lucky. It kind of, it took about six months. Uh, I didn't get on Steam straight away. It kind of was building up for about six months. Uh, and finally, we launched it in the summer and it was New Year's Eve. It hit the, uh, it, it made enough money that it was a year's salary. And that was okay. the number I told myself, once I've made a year's salary, I'll quit my day job and try this yeah. and make another game. And then the following day, January the 1st, Total Biscuit did a video of it, which was very glowing. Um, and by the end of that week, I made two years' salary, and it just blew up from there. And that's yeah. and, that, and that's wow. what that that's did was insane. that bought, Yeah, I got. I, and the PewDiePie eventually making a video. Lots of yeah, everyone at some point, which was amazing, and 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 just super lucky. Just it was that game that year that that you know it happened so rarely, um, and I just kind of made myself a promise that I was going to keep riding that wave and make what I could. And, and I, doing, that was yeah, five yeah. years ago now. What's crazy to me is it's doing different things because like mm. earlier you mentioned uh, that game being the first stereoscopic 3D. Uh, game, oh, that was guys uh, working at a company that happens to make company. it. I can't. But, but still, but still, there's that. But then when you kind of take that into okay, you get the platformer of Thomas Wells alone. Then looking at volume, and then you also then dabbled in in VR. Right? Yep, we did a VR version of volume, and it's yeah. like like that's just for being a small team. It's like you seem to not be doing the smart thing of we're just going to do it again. I'm not doing the smart thing. No, and you and you yeah. know what, Tim? Like genuinely, you're right. And this is an ongoing. If Alexander's watching this, he's going to be laughing because <laughs> this is the conversation we have very often. Because yeah, what you're meant to do is you're meant to make a solid 7.5 out of 10 game, and then keep making versions of that game and getting better incrementally, um, and. I've I've chosen a different path <laughs> where I I make kind of eight out of ten, maybe eight point five in some cases games, but I jump around a lot. Yeah, in, in theory, if I was if I was here talking to you about Thomas was alone four, yeah, then mm -hmm. we then we'd be you know we'd be making uh, probably better games, but we'd be inheriting that kind of uh, of knowledge and awareness and and probably making more money. Um, but but yeah, I'm. I'm my feeling is having worked, so I worked for other people for about six years in the games industry, mm -hmm. um, making games that made financial logical sense and you know paid the bills. And I'm in this fantastic situation where I can take risks and take chances. And generally, whenever I've played it safe, it's not gone as well as when I do something like Subsurface Circular, where and it's like, it's a prototype, great. ship it, just Beyonce it, we'll send it to 10 that's journalists right. and maybe it'll do okay. And it's our most successful game since so But it all <laughs> adds, it adds on top of itself. Mm. And, I, and that's what I love is like, yeah, okay, there is the surefire bet of just sequel, sequel, sequel. Yeah. But when you have that one hit and people are like, oh, Mike Bithell made this, I know that, that's great. And then you do mm -hmm. another one and something so totally different. You have that luxury oh, and to do yeah. something off the wall and then yeah. send it to the right people and they're going to be like, oh, I'm going to give this a shot. People will try, exactly, yeah. there's a pedigree. We have a reputation. And that was something, that was a decision that was made very early on was, well, the, the first of all, the dumbest, cleverest thing I ever did was at a time where I had like 50 Twitter followers, Thomas was alone. I, I knew games were meant to have splash screens, but I had nothing to put on the splash screen because it wasn't made by a company. So I just put my Twitter handle at the, at the start. Awesome. Single greatest career decision I ever made. Because <laughs> yeah, right. uh, then every version of Thomas was alone had you know my Twitter handle at the start and that and that meant that the, the momentum happened. That's amazing. And then when we started to kind of formalize stuff, 
we had the internal conversation of like, well, what should we call the company? What should we call the studio? What what name should we get behind? And my uh, you know my best mate Daz, who's uh, who's done all does all the concept art for all my games, uh, just said, Mike, put your name on it. I'm like, no, but we're all, we're a team. He's like, mate, I'd rather make more money <laughs> and just have to like just just I, my ego can take it. Totally. Let's, let's do. Let's lean Welcome into to the this. game over, Greggy Show. <laughs> a couple of followers. Exactly right. One point four million followers. Yeah. So there's there's, yeah. lo- there's yeah. logic to that, right? Totally. And that, that, that approach and that kind of um, so it's kind of it's a, it was an accidental thing. I was never meant to, and I hate auteur theory. I hate the idea of one person being mm-hmm. seen as as the reason for a game, mm-hmm. and yet that's so ironic now because that's exactly how people see the games we work on, and we, we're trying to work on that. We're building bigger kind of credit sequences at the start of the games, and we're really trying to kind of broaden that but uh yeah it's something i still have a hang up about oh, it makes sense a couple of follow-ups to that sure. when you're talking about the development of thomas mm. you said three you know two thousand pounds and three years yeah so man hours wise i'm really curious how much do you um, think went into thomas uh, still still quite so probably i still think that if i'd made it in kind of a conventional nine to five way yeah maybe it would have been a year like the reason it took three years was i was working um you know nine till six or seven at a game mm-hmm. studio every day commuting home you know there mm. and back 45 minutes i was basically able to do like a, an hour's work every night essentially and then usually five six hours um at the weekends mm-hmm. where i got kind of lucky was uh was carrie my girlfriend was uh was working on a movie out of town so i had kind of no social life for three years i was able to kind of just completely devote myself to the game mm-hmm. um a lot of indies who've done that kind of making a game in their spare time around a day job sadly unfortunately that story often involves kind of a, you know a, a relationship breakup a kind of a, there's yeah. there's that kind of tragedy to it and we kind of had one forced on us by circumstance <laughs> the the men that i had the the room to kind of to do that game and and then obviously once once i uh could quit my day job then became like every other indie and just works all the time and i'm sure it's similar to you guys yeah, like there is yeah. no you you, you, never you just stop. keep going you know it's not necessarily healthy but it's kind of just how it is the the second question i want to ask you sure. is uh we've been asking a lot about the business end of it mm. but um thomas is one of my favorite games thank you uh, and and very important in my household my wife it, it may be her favorite game wow and um i wanted to ask you about the artistic end outside of the business <laughs> end knowing you made it when did you know you had something special? Um, when did you look at, at that property or any of the other work you've done, for that matter, and just go, oh, wow, this is really good? About two years after it came out. And that sounds like I'm making a dumb joke, but genuinely, I I never like my games. Mm. I really, I hate, there's a, I need to find out who this, I keep using this quote, and I, I need to find out who to attribute it to, a writer who says, I hate the act of writing, but I love having written something. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's so true of the way I, I genuinely like don't like anything I'm working on. It's something I have to be very careful with actually working with a team that I'm not like, that I'm not this black cloud over the entire process mm-hmm. for everyone else, but I genuinely am hyper self-critical and hypercritical of the work in particular. Uh, so no, with Thomas was alone. I genuinely, for the entire duration of production, genuinely felt like I was fighting to make it okay. You know what I mean? Mm. Like just to kind of, it, it, and and so many of the choices that get that I get such cre- uh, credit for were actually just kind of practicalities. Uh, so things like um, the reason it's got voiceover is because it was originally going to be kind of this motion typography kind. Of, you know those kind of YouTube mm-hmm. videos of like kinetic. Reservoir Dogs kinetic kind yeah. of motion graphic stuff. Um, and uh, and I was, that was really difficult and just mm-hmm. took a lot of time. So I was like, no, I'll just do voiceover. That's easy. Just play an audio <laughs> file. Um, and you know, 
Danny Wallace, the, the style of the whole thing was because I knew it needed to have some humor to it. So I listened to some of his audio books and was like, I'm going to write kind of something in that style. And then got drunk on Twitter one night and sent it to him and said, can you just, can, can we work together on this kind of thing? Um, so much of it is kind of this chance and happenstance. I think we very much, uh, with any creative work, after the fact, we realized why it worked or why, what we got right. I remember when Thomas was alone, it was a good two years after, and Unity, uh, the engine company, wanted me to give them some footage mm -hmm. of the game. Uh, and I hadn't gotten any because I, you know, I, I didn't have any footage of the game. Um, so I, I had to go and, and play it like you did with Bioshock. And I'd been playing it for about an hour and I started laughing at the jokes. I was mm. like, wow, that's actually, that's quite funny. That's, that's, I, <laughs> I knew I'd written it. And it was like this weird kind of moment of, oh, it was good. These people aren't, you know, completely, you know, overestimating how good this game is. Mm -hmm. It actually did work. It was a couple of years after it came out though. Wow. And I'm, I've been that way with, I finally like volume. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, Subsurface Circular, I smiled. You'll get at, there. Sometimes I smiled at a screenshot someone posted the other day. I was like, oh yeah, that is a Hamilton <laughs> reference. That's quite good. Um, so, but yeah, and I think, I, but I, crucially, then this is the conversation I have a lot with the people I work with is, I think that's how I make good stuff. I think if I ever smugly sit there and go, I'm the genius mm -hmm. who made Thomas was alone, <laughs> then then I think that's when it's all gone wrong and yeah. when, the, when the game stop kind of working. So I'm sure, uh, as you know very well, Game mm. Over Greggy, Greg Miller himself, sure. really wants everything on the Vita. And for years, he would talk to you <laughs> like, where's the Vita, where's the Vita, where's the Vita? He's, that is, I mean, basically your audience is the primary reason volume came out of Vita. I, like, I'm well, <laughs> well aware. Like, like it was uh, just mainly also, to stop Twitter. I want to I wanna thank you for being such an amazing supporter of Kind of Funny over the years. Like you, you one of the our first sponsor, major Patreon supporters. Yeah, yeah mm -hmm. for, for volume and all that. And that was fantastic. And you helped mm -hmm. us. I noticed the poster's not get, up anymore. You know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, man, yeah, no, that, thank you. Thank you very much yeah. for all of that. But uh, with Greg joking about the Vita ports, uh, but being serious, actually wanting games on, on the Vita, mm -hmm. that's kind of now been just magnified times a million with the Switch, oh, where yeah. I feel like now it's not just Greg begging everyone for, for ports, it's the entire world being like, yeah. but where's the Switch version? And you getting the, the new game on on Switch, like yeah. there's, there's, I'm saying a lot of words. What I'm trying to get at is there's that gold rush of we got to get things on yeah. Switch. And like mm -hmm. from your side of things, like the dev side of things, how does that look right now? So I think everyone's waiting for it to, the gold rush to go terribly wrong. I think that's the, that's when I have conversations with other indies, because it has, you're right, it's been this gold rush. Because I think Nintendo have done, it's the, the parallels with the Vita don't just um, extend to the audience, they extend to the business behind the games consoles as well. The reason Vita had that kind of resurgence in the indie scene was was because of people like um, like Shahid and and Shu and other people at, at Sony who who saw this opportunity to make that platform work really well for indies mm -hmm. and reached out to us. These people came to us indies and said, "Hey, do you want to come on Vita?" To which my response, I remember when Thomas was alone, they came to me and said, "Hey, you should do Thomas was alone on Vita." And I said. Okay, can I do PS4 as well? And they were like, maybe we'll see. You know, like, <laughs> like, don't, don't get ahead of yourself. Um, and uh, and they were really kind of they found that because because Vita was in a situation where it needed games. Mm -hmm, yeah. um, and I think Switch found itself in a they knew it was going to be a similar situation at launch because because a lot of those kind of those bigger publishers who are now joining the party yeah. were not there at launch. Um, and that's worked out really well for indies on the platform, and we've all kind of benefited from the space there. But yeah, I think there is going to be inevitably there's going to be a point where this where the the content gets 
too busy where there's just more stuff coming out. I mean, it's we're already at a point where there's a lot of games coming out, right? Yeah, mm -hmm. every Thursday on Kind of Funny Games Daily, it's you read out drop. the list, and it's just a ton yep. of stuff. With really weird names, yeah, like uh, I, I'm stuck with circular. Terrible names. No, I guess that's true though. I, I would make fun but of that if I was just reading it off totally the list. Would. Yeah, no one had said it out loud until the game came out. Yeah. Terrible name. <laughs> Terrible name. So would why, love to change it. Why would why would you name why'd you name it that? Um, because it sounded cool. It, it looked cool on <laughs> the page. Yeah. yeah. And it was one of those things where we just never said it out loud, and it's such oh. a tongue twister. It's it's a terrible choice. But now the game's doing so well, we we're we're locked in. We I can't. mean, it's it's funny though because you know names for for anything really for mm. brands really yeah. matter because oh, like yeah. that's what people latch on to. Oh yeah, no professionals would have done a really good job with this and made a better title. <laughs> but but what's yeah. interesting is I, I feel like it having kind of a unique name almost benefits it in some ways because it definitely it, plays it, into that sci-fi kind of um, slightly more kind of sci-fi novel short mm -hmm. novel kind of vibe that the game's got. Definitely, yeah, it and, feels like something Asimov would call a book. It's definitely not Asimov yeah. level writing, but the, <laughs> but the title is kind of it's it's yeah. the kind of thing Asimov would use and that kind of I think helps it find that audience maybe. But I feel like it's that perfect storm too of the Beyonce drop backed by uh, Credible Studio mm -hmm. um, that being curated by the right uh, kind of journalists and, and target mm -hmm. YouTubers and all that stuff. All of that to the, the people that are finding out the game from them, they hear it and they go, Oh, the, I don't remember what the name is, but I yeah. remember it was that weird something weird thing. robots. Yeah, and they'll find it. Like they'll seek that out, and when they see it on a list or on the eShop or on mm -hmm. whatever it is, they'll be like, "Oh yeah, that game." And yeah. then when they find it, they find something really good waiting for them. There's that element to it that, too. Of course, of course. That, yeah, I mean, the fact that it's actually good. good. That's, yeah. that's the hardest bit. Right? Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the trickiest stuff. But it's it, but it is a gold rush, and that and 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 indies. I say this often to when I go and talk to like students or or indies dying out. You know, the times that indies have benefited is when everyone else is looking somewhere else. Mm -hmm. You can absolutely find a correlation. That kind of 2010 to 2012 kind of indie, uh, you know, big jump up in indie mm -hmm. directly correlates with all of the traditional publishers saying, oh, PC's dead. PC's mm -hmm. dead. No one's into PC gaming anymore. Right. And Steam being like, well, we need something to release on the platform and a bunch of indies showing up. Um, same is true on the Vita with the surge of Vita indies. Same is happening right now with Switch. Wherever people say don't release a game there, indies who release a game there and can manage it, that often works in our favor. It doesn't always, but it yeah. often mm -hmm. does. Um, and I think Switch is unfortunately at that tipping point where it's now common knowledge that like, oh, you should release on Switch. It does really well on Switch. And that's gonna flip it over mm, into everyone yeah. there. It might be really good to be an indie releasing a game on any console other than the Switch next year <laughs> because everyone's jumping onto the Switch bandwagon. Now, you know, you it's think, an interesting one. Do you think there's a, another future where, like, a parallel universe where instead of that happening, just Switch owners are become accustomed to? I hope so. To really buying and supporting mm -hmm. indie games. Well, I think the handheld thing plays into that. I mean, the yeah. handheld. I think as a with a handheld, you consume these games really quickly on your own terms. It's not, I mean, this is partly hitting my 30s, but there is that thing of, I have to, okay, so I have to go home, I have to sit down in front of my TV, I have to, Carrie can't watch whatever she wants to watch, I have to have the TV and play it, and it's a, it's a ritual thing that you're getting into, whereas a handheld goes with you mm -hmm. and fits into your life. So I think there's a hunger there for stuff, for games that you can play, because it's just, it's something that you've always got with you. 
So maybe we'll always benefit. And also the size as well. I think we're we're much better at making these kind of one hour, two hour experiences, whereas the bigger publishers obviously are, are building these epics. And, mm -hmm. and maybe maybe we're actually a better fit potentially for a handheld version of that experience. Um, obviously there are people who play Switch handheld or TV or both, you know. You mentioned mobile development earlier in a mm. game that came out for only one phone. Um, uh, I came out for, so it was a day, Google Daydream, which was like a Google phone, of, uh, a couple of phones that had like a VR functionality on right. them. Yeah. I remember that thing. Okay. I, yeah. uh, what was the game? It was called Earthshape. It was, it was, it was a, a gardening, it was a game where you traveled between uh, procedurally generated planets, uh, planting and creating your own flowers and fauna. And it was narrated by um, a comedian from the UK called Sue Perkins, who's probably best known in America for hosting um, The Great British Bake Off. Okay. Uh, for many years. And the only reason she was in it was um, was Alexander, my business partner. When Brexit happened, I was very bothered by that for various political reasons that we'll not get into on the show. Um, but I thought it was horrible. <laughs> um, terrible, terrible decision. Um, and I needed cheering up. And he was like, watch British Bake Off. It's friendly. It's lovely. It's going to make you feel patriotic for Britishness. <laughs> and, and I watched that for like, I watched that like, three episodes through and it was just and just and sue perkins is someone who like had done comedy when i was when i was younger i'd seen her on on stuff in the past but just seeing her in that context i was like this is she's the best school teacher i never had on this show that's great and i, I, I wanted to it. get her into a game and it turns out she's a massive gamer so she was brilliant oh wow with. perfect oh really oh big civ fan Oh, big no Sith fan. I'm so yeah. excited. I love the Speaking Great British. Your so in the states, it's the Great British Baking Show. Same thing. Oh, okay, off. sorry. Uh, but no, no, no. Don't be sorry. I, I, you're, you're you, yeah, y'all invented it. We'll call it. We'll call it the Bake Off. But Andy's <laughs> obsessed with it. I love it. Yeah. I, do you watch it? I have not tried. But it But learning that Sue is into game. That's that's so exciting. Oh, she, I love that. We were talking about. We were talking about how many planets in No Man's Sky are named after <laughs> Bake Off uh, situations. She loved Alien Isolation. She loved. She plays a lot of Sith. Follow her on Twitter. She's great on Twitter. She plays oh, a lot of games. Freaking fantastic! Yeah, I'm sure. Proper nerd. So to to kind of wrap things up here, do you have any any final questions for him? Yeah, I, I know we're headed toward the end here, but this is something I want to ask. You. It was actually toward that phone. Um, when it I'll comes to mobile development and being a small studio, yeah. Um, do you, what is the path forward for mobile developers that want to create games for handheld for the Apple Store for the Google Play Store and don't want to embrace some of the more predatory nickel and dime practices. The stronger free-to-play stuff. Free yeah. Play plus. What is their path forward toward this first discovery and second profitability in that? It's hard out there. You don't hear a lot of stories about kind of um, about mobile, uh, you know, iOS and Android games um, uh, that are they're called premium, but like anything that charges money up front. You don't hear a lot of get, uh, stories about those games doing well. I will say that I think, especially in Apple's case, they're doing a great deal. They've changed the way they curate. Mm -hmm. They're definitely trying to bring that stuff across. And they were very supportive. We did a subsurface circular version for iPads, which right. which they gave a lot of uh, love and attention to. It's tough out there. I mean, it is really tough. Um, I think what you're going to see is a lot of people who want to make those kind of games um, maybe moving over to the Switch, maybe moving over to uh, the consoles that are a little bit easier with their processes behind the scenes. There's, you know, the, the, the degrees to which you have to go through certification and... I'm sure the audience is aware of certification as something that makes games take a while to come yeah. out. Uh, that's exactly what it is. And that's 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 it's it's all there to kind of protect the consumer and make sure that the experience is great for them. But it does slow down development yeah. and can get in the way. And as a mobile developer, you know, you can 
that can be surprising. We we accidentally released Earthshape about a week before it was meant to. Before Imagine cert? Pull Ooh. it down. Well, no, there is no cert. Oh, there's on no Android cert at all on Android. So okay. That's the all point. Right. Is on, right. is I on, misunderstood. I'm sorry. On console or PC, it's very yeah. hard to launch your game by accident, but on mobile, you can absolutely do it. You know, okay. And I think if you're a developer who's used to that speed and that cycle, then console is still a little bit scary. So even as a partner, there's no cert. I didn't like if you're working with the curators and wow. Uh, yeah. Well, as I mean, so there's on iOS is iOS. There's more, but but yeah, it's basically there's yeah. We're talking a very very well compared to the weeks it takes on console. We're talking yeah. a few hours. I didn't you know. know that. That's really cool. It's oh, it's very cool. But I totally understand why the console guys want to. They want to make sure that when you download a game on PlayStation, it works. It works. Yeah. That <laughs> makes perfect sense. That's absolutely fair Good to the community. Call. But it is a wall to mobile developers coming across, which is probably its point as well. They don't mm-hmm. want everything to come over necessarily. Mm-hmm. They want great stuff to come over. Rad. I really appreciate the answer. To that. I, I could I do this for hours. I, lo- <laughs> I love picking the head of people that actually make things. I mean, I I love what I do for a living. You I'm make things? Prefer- no, I, I I've, talk I've in seen front the of a microphone. Oh, <laughs> I, I do that at keyboard. You know, it's the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Mike, yeah. do you have any any final things? Like, where can people follow you? What should people be buying? Where I'm should they on go? Twitter too much um, at Mike Bithell. Um, I uh, yeah, Subsurface Circulars out. Please pick it up. Um, if if you're into the if it sounds interesting. To to you on Switch. Right now we're in this really important moment in the game where uh, it's out, it's doing well, we need to get on that chart. We're in the, on the chart in the UK, we're not in the US. So if you're if you're thinking I might pick that up in the next couple of weeks, pick it up today. That'd be great. Um, <laughs> but um, but yeah, like, like you know, but also read reviews and make an informed decision and please hope you hope you like the game. Um, <laughs> other than that, if you're, you're a gem. If you're, <laughs> I just, you're like, a gem. I it's really it. important to me that everyone who plays my games and pays me likes them um, and doesn't feel like we've we've tricked them. Will um, you personally give their money back here and now if, if they didn't? Um, if they were here right now, I would. Oh. I would. If you turned to me and said, Mike, I did not like Subsurface Circular, <laughs> I would genuinely grab a few dollars from my pocket. Um, other than that, if you're a game developer, we just released the Game Dev Business Handbook. Uh, which is a really cool thing, which is I I took um, some of the money we've made from video games and paid a games journalist to write a book about uh, the process of development, a guy called Mike Futter, who's been a a business reporter for ages. Really good book. He's written it, he's interviewed the heads of lots and lots of big studios, all talking about budgeting, talking about um, man hours, talking about uh, the way businesses are actually run. So if you're an indie, then that's something that I would encourage you to look at. And other than that, yeah, just... What's the, what's the title and where can I purchase this? That's called the Game Dev Business Handbook, um, and uh, it's it's I think it's it's either on Amazon or is soon to be. I think we've announced that. I might get in trouble, um, and but it's definitely like we're selling it through our own website and stuff. But if you go on my Twitter, you'll see it. Thank you. I've I've made a couple of craptastic demos and dream of releasing something someday. I'm going to buy and read this. You should. You. It's it's a. I'm really happy with how it came out, and I can say that because I didn't write it. So <laughs> I can be proud of it. Well, thank you very much for joining us. This has been an, an excellent episode. We're on a we're on a roll here, it's a lot of man. Fun. I'm, I'm having a good time. It. I, well, this guy makes it easy. I gotta say, it's better without Greg. I, it's better I without Greg. Say, I didn't Not one say Cockney it. accent. Not <laughs> one Cockney accent. Oh yeah. From him. yeah. <laughs> oh it's, man. It's much better. It's no, much you just better. saw some annoying guys next to you going. Actually, it's the Great British Bake Off in the United States, and it's not a lie. It's fine. It's it's fine because I'm nine times out of ten. I'm that dude. So no, British people just say it better. Ladies and gentlemen, I love you. And until next time, it's been a pleasure to serve you. It's how you threw me off. My lines, I love you. I'll end it there.